Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the best place to get your Cal United fix from the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. On this special episode we're going to be discussing the sacking of manager Chris Beach after just two years in charge, looking at where it went wrong, some of the high points of his time in charge and we'll have a look at some of the early names being put forward take on the hot seat at Brunton Park. Well, we did say, Dan, didn't we? We did say that this was potentially the game where one of the managers, whoever lost, could get the P45 and unfortunately it's proved to be right, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think if we'd kept it to 1-0, he might have got <laughs> next week as well. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think he might have been given a bit of time, but that capitulation in the last yeah yeah 10 minutes or so just i mean i put paid to it the way the way the the way the third goal went in as well it was just we just locked the shambles and yeah you just got the impression at that point like he he doesn't know what he's doing anymore or the the players really aren't playing for him is it looked as though he's run out of ideas and uh the you know, as he lost the dressing room. It was quite interesting. Radio Cumbria played a, a clip of Joy Barton mm. prior to the match. And uh, I know a few people sort of took the piss out of this a little bit. You know, yeah. he said he went to church and he, he all did all this and that. And then uh, Jaboy Bire was the co-com. And uh, I think it was uh, James Phillips sort of said to him, you know, which, which set of comments would inspire you? And he basically said that Barton's would, you know, be like, you'd, you'd want to play for that, you know. He's... I get the impression Barton, look, he's a, he's a combative character, isn't he? But yeah. I think he'd probably get a lot out of some players. I think he'd be able to push the right buttons with some people, I think. Whereas yeah, Beach, definitely, definitely. I don't know, when you hear his interviews, you're always a bit like, there's a lot of buzzwords, a lot of, you know, Brett, David Brent-esque talk, isn't there? It was a mm-hmm. bit of, bit of a, an odd one. So, uh, so, yeah, after 23 months in charge, Chris Beach's time as manager of Carl United has come to an end uh, this weekend after the Blues capitulated to a 3-0 defeat against fellow strugglers Bristol Rovers. Um, having arrived as a sort of shock appointment, I think it's fair to say, Dan, isn't it? Back in November 2019, he's faced more than his fair share of challenges in his time as boss and gave us some real high points last season, but the second half of season collapse earlier this year and the failure to even get out of first gear this season sort of inevitably meant that after Saturday's game there was there was nowhere else to go really, was there? No, no. Just, just I mean, we was saying get out of first gear. We, we've won two in 11. We won at Swindon early, but they'd literally just been took over that week, yeah. hadn't they? They were just getting you know, themselves together, weren't they? You look at it now, would we win at Swindon if we played them next week? I don't think so. God not, God no. I mean, the Salford game as well. You look at Salford, they're struggling a bit this season. That was yeah, one of those yeah. ones where we just, we dug in a little bit. And then, yeah. I mean, bar that, you've got, you've got the Scunthorpe game. You think that's a game you should be beating them. I mean, look yeah, at the yeah. weekend. Ridiculous. Um, we will cover the Bristol Rovers game in depth later in the week uh, for the Tramway Rovers preview episode. That'll be me and Mike on that one. But today, me and Dan are going to look back at Beach's time as boss, uh, where it went wrong, some of the positives and highlights of his time in charge, and basically have a sort of quick discussion about what the club needs to do next in terms of who gets the job after Beach. So um, without any further ado, Dan, let's look back at where it went wrong. I mean, it was all going so well last season, wasn't it? Up to 
New Year's Day. You know, we had some fantastic results, fantastic performances. And then, yes, the issue started, didn't they? I mean, the, the first obvious one to pick on is that the COVID break in the post moments, wasn't it really? That's where it first started. Yeah, yeah. It I mean, that's, it's not, you know, you, you can't really blame anyone for, for that. You know, the, the country was in a, a mess. We weren't the only club who uh, who had games called off, but ours seemed to coincide with, you know, the the shambles at Harrogate a couple of times. We had a home game called off forever, which, you know, hasn't happened for a few seasons. Yeah. And it was just a enforced period of inactivity, wasn't it? You know, the struggle to find training facilities. Yeah, all, all those things sort of came together, didn't they? I mean, COVID-19 actually hitting the squad, I think that's probably something we maybe underestimate a little bit at the time, didn't we, I think, as well. as We know we know not all players were that badly affected, so we've got to be fair there, but there was a few who took a long while to recover, didn't they, from, yeah, yeah. from the effects of it. And the postponement, I think that's the key one. Isn't it? When you look back at it, I mean, this season, how many Tuesday night games have we got? Is it five scheduled five in? Six, yeah, five yeah. Six. We already had 11 scheduled in last season, didn't we, because of the compacted season. Yeah, yeah. We had 12 weeks in a row of Saturday Tuesdays. Yeah, it's astonishing when you look back at it. Actually, how, how we actually cope throughout the whole thing, and all that momen- momentum's a big thing in football, isn't it? And we definitely lost a lot of that as a result of those games being called off, and that had a big impact on us. And as much as anything, that time off actually—you do wonder—did did that give teams a bit of time to work out how we played? I don't think it was too hard to work out how we played, really. No. You know, we uh, it was fairly obvious what our tactic is, but again, you talk about momentum. When you're doing well, you know, you come back and, you know, when you're doing, when you're doing well, you can get away with playing the same tactic because teams already have that slight fear factor when they come to yeah. Brunton Park. You know, I'm just looking at the results for last season. We, we came back at the end of January... We beat Exeter one nil. It was a scrappy game from memory, wasn't it? Yeah. And then uh, we got beat off Forest Green on the Tuesday night, and then we had another fortnight off, didn't we? Yeah. Well, the Cheltenham game wasn't it? Was called? Mm. I think it was. Yeah. And then we lost uh, Leighton Orient and Crawley to the weather, didn't we? Yes, I think it was. I think it? it was. Yeah. Yeah, Leighton Orient for the third time. I think it was, wasn't it? Or something like second. Yeah. Time, and then you look at the results when we came back. We. In the first seven games back, we lost five and drew two. You know, we just everything had gone. You know, we'd slipped down the table without playing, and then the bad run of results. And you know, it's we we did we did pick up a little bit. You know, towards the end of the season, but we were always out of the picture then. You know, the number of games we drew at the end of the season was ridiculous. I mean, yeah, that, that's the thing. You said we picked up some form, but I mean, to be honest, the games we won were generally against poor teams, weren't they? I mean, Scunthorpe's an obvious one. Crawley, I mean, anyone could beat them on the day when they're yeah. playing like they are. Southend, I mean, that was a gimme, you know, going to be more of a gimme. I mean, Bradford as well were not good last season, to be fair. And they, you know, they picked no. up a bit at that point. But some of the results that stand out when you look at it, I mean, I'm looking at this list here as well. The first game back after that extra delay, the Harrogate game, 1-0, we barely turned up that evening. It was It was poor. It was not a great performance. So for the next game, we we put a bit of battling effort in, but then we had that run of four defeats in a row, and Tranmere, a bit of a ding-dong, 
end-to-end game. Tramie were up there with us as well, so you can almost look at that or whatever. But the next two really stand out, don't they? I mean, losing 3-1 at home against Oldham, who, you know, Bambula aside, not a great side. Uh, Then to go to Colchester and lose 2-1, the famous night of the penalties. Yeah. I mean, when he started using that as an excuse and wouldn't shut up about it for about three or four weeks, I mean, that's the point when I started to think... Does he know actually what he's doing here? Yeah, yeah. You almost but, like a... but you were also prepared to give him a little bit of benefit of doubt. Yeah, because of the whole COVID and postponement thing. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that first half of the season, actually, I'm looking at the results there again. We were almost a little bit flat track bullies at times, weren't we? When you look at yeah. it, because when we played Exeter, Cheltenham, and Tranmere, we lost to all and for screen, sorry, we lost to all four of them. We were battering a lot of teams. We were battering Stevenage, we beat Bradford. Salford's the only one really you look at from a big team we beat. We I, I think this is, this is something we mentioned in the end of season reviews as well yeah. that our record against those that finished above us was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. You know, in about 18 games, I think we won two or three of them, wasn't it? And Yeah. You know, we, it, it sort of showed that we just, despite everything that had went on, were we really good enough to go up? Yeah, I mean, you've got to look at the bigger picture sometimes, rather than looking at that purple patch of form and the fair, up to that Walsall game. Where you know, yeah, we were we were excellent at that point, but after that Exeter game, that's what things just went to pot. Then didn't they? Really? I mean, you look at it. We won one in about twelve, was it? I think or something like that. Mm. I mean that that got John Ward the sack when he was manager. If you yeah, went back yeah. that far. Beach has been given quite a lot of leeway over the last year or two, and I think. He just caught up with him in the end, didn't it? And yeah, yeah. If we, if we look at this season then, Dan, summer transfer activity and the contract renewals, both departures and arrivals, you, you've got to look at that, haven't you, as well? I mean, that's not all just on beach, though, is it? We've got to admit that some of that has got to be on on um, Holdsworth as well. We will touch on it a bit, I'm sure. Um End of season, the contract renewal work wasn't great. I mean, you you picked up on this at the time, didn't you? That this is an ongoing issue. That we really struggle to get players to sign new contracts unless they've got a trigger clause in their contract. Yeah, we've managed to do it with Guy and Mellish now, but I'm sure they've been very well rewarded with their new contracts for next season. But when you look at when you look at in terms of offering deals at the end of the season, we just couldn't convince players to stay, could we? No, I mean. <sighs> I know a lot was made of Farman and Zanzala, but from speaking to a couple of people who were a little bit in the know down at Barrow, the sums they were offered, I mean, Bradford couldn't sign Zanzala. Bradford said they didn't really want him in the end, did they? they Yeah, I think that was was just talk, but I think if we could have signed him, they would have sort of thing, you know. I I think, I have a feeling Bradford got played a little bit by Zanzala's agent there. Possibly, yeah. There was interest in Sunderland apparently in him and then then Sunderland went cold and I think they used Sunderland and Bradford against Barrow to get a better deal from them. But, you know, the wages those two are on are considerably more than they were. But didn't, Farman basically admitting is it some of his interviews he's done since signing for Barrow that basically Carlisle only offered him a one year deal and that was one of the, yeah, the yeah, big yeah. thing that convinced him to look elsewhere. You yeah. might have found you've offered him a two year deal on you know a slight increase in wage or maybe even the same wage with better bonuses or something. You might have stayed. You might have said, "Yeah, I'm yeah, happy with yeah. that. I'm playing football. Yeah. I'm in a good team. I'm you know the team. I'm close a vital to home. Yeah, close to home. I'm a vital part of the team as well. That's the thing the way he would have looked at it. Yeah, yeah. But as it is. <laughs> 
he's gone to Barrow and he's, he's, he's doing pretty well there, isn't he, so far when you look at it. And yeah, yeah. we've really struggled in that department so far this season. But yeah, and we'll, we'll cover this maybe a little bit more as well later, but losing Coyote as well. And the more you look at it, the more you actually sit there, I know it's hindsight, but you sit there and have a look at it, you think to yourself, actually, we really, really missed him by then, didn't we? Him going actually made a big difference to to the way we because he way we played was so centered around him. We just weren't the same side about him, were we? Yeah, and you know I know he signed his new contract in Rotherham mm. and that, but he's hardly played this season. Eh? One of those things you look and think, if we could have got him back on loan this season, I think actually we'd probably be comfortably mid-table at least and yeah. maybe a bit higher up. And we'll, we'll touch on how important he was actually to the team and how much. Beach actually missed him in a while, but but yes, obviously losing all those players. I mean, Anderton going. Obviously, we weren't. We said we weren't that bothered about it at the time, but with hindsight, Armour's had a tough season. We probably could have done with Anderton being able to come in a little bit because he's still a young lad, Armour, and yeah. Anderton could have come in for a couple of games over the last few weeks and maybe made us a little bit more solid uh, left back. He looked all right when he came on at the weekend for Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Um, Patrick going to a higher level. You, that that's one you just say hands up. You know, he's, he's taking a chance there. Good luck to the lad. One of those ones, isn't it? Although yeah. again, we could have, by all accounts, we could have triggered a deal with him. We decided not to. So mm. very, very unusual that one. And, and Re- the Reese Bennett affair. I mean, that was just a bit of a shambles from start to finish, yeah. wasn't it? So, so there you go. Um, I mean, he also lost Tanner and Hayden in the summer transfer window, didn't he? That I mean, they're ones where they, that's going to happen. Is I mean, to lose two of them though, who were basically key members of your defence last season. You, you essentially, your whole defence of last season has been decimated. Yeah, yeah. And that's not easy. That's not easy because it, it goes a little bit underrated how good our defence was at times last season, actually. I know yeah. you look through the scores, we had a lot of clean sheets at the the highest number of clean sheets since in the days of Westwood, wasn't it, really? That's how, how good we were in terms of defence. So, yeah, not not great to lose all them. And in terms of coming in this summer, it's... Mm. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say sort of putting a bit of blame on hold with him maybe you can but at the same time you get a player like Zach Clough in that's not a case of Holdsworth picking up someone at the last minute there you're scraping to find a contact to bring a player in he's your main target and we haven't seemed to have had a clue how to actually fit him into this team do we? Yeah and he was picked up early as well you know yeah. Abraham, Abraham's Clough and Whelan were all side by the 1st of July Yeah, then it went quiet yeah, you know the the only other one we picked up before the start of the season then was uh, Mampala on a, on a permanent, and obviously Jensen on loan. Yeah, that, but, that's uh, that's yeah that that you look at that and you think, and then when you actually compare it against what he had last season, they're not as strong. <laughs> it isn't. We've we've obviously missed out on some targets. And whenever you have a target, you always have a backup option, don't yeah. you? Greg, I've we've, always had that. You always said yeah, that, didn't you? Always, we have to have, go for number three quite often on our list. But. I, I, I think we've missed out on one, two and three in two or three cases, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And is it we're going back to, you know, being a bit tighter on the wage, having been a bit more expressive last summer? Mm. I don't know. It's, it's a hard one to tell. And yeah, the, it's a, like I said, it's the fact that he just didn't seem to know how to fit Clough into the team. He signed this clearly talented player. But he's trying to play him in the style we played last season. Without someone like Coyote playing up front of the target, man, that's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, yeah. Clough would have fitted in perfectly as the sort of central striker, probably, in the team last season. Because, you know, Coyote goes out wide, wins the flick-ons, and 
Clough's there to pick up pieces, you'd think. Yeah, but, well, he would have played the Alessandro role, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would have played a lot of that. And I think Alessandro, his form dropping off this season as well as has been quite noticeable. We said that on yeah, the weekend, yeah. didn't we? He was, it's noticeable he's not been quite as good this year. I mean, defensively, we look so much weaker than last season, don't we? Both yeah. in goalkeeper department and defenders. I mean, I know that... We have a different lineup every week at the moment, yeah. which doesn't help either. Yeah. I mean, Holdsworth mentioned about the whole, uh, you know, didn't say I use my contacts. About it. It's like, it couldn't be much clearer that the poor lad was about sixth choice when we desperately needed another centre-back in there to back up the defence. And we're picking up a lad who's never played a first-team game before in his life at the age of, what, 21 or something like that. Isn't yeah, it? it's, yeah. it's, that's a little bit frightening, wasn't it? It's... um. Yeah, it's, it's you know, despite what Holdworth says, that is not a stronger squad than it was last season, undeniably. No. But that doesn't mean the manager can't adapt to what he's got. And that, that comes to the next point of tactics, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, we were very direct last season, no doubt about that. But it was exciting to watch. First half of the season was enjoyable to watch because we were creating a lot of chances. As as I mentioned a couple of times previously, we won the league in 94-95 under Nick Wadsworth playing direct football. Yeah. When it works, you don't mind. Yeah. These ideas that we played some sort of silky, smooth-style passing football in that team. We, we played better football under Mervyn Day yeah, two than years we did old. against Holdsworth. I, I, I always say I think 96-97 would probably beat 94-95, even well, though they never won the league. Big Stefan at the back, of course, they would. Yeah. Um, but no, in all seriousness, you're right. I and mean, We played a lot of direct football. We, we, we relied a lot on Reeves running the channels. And getting onto long balls and Curry being able to pick players out with long balls like Thomas and, and Reeves. And that made a big difference to us. And, uh, you know, I know there was a gathering of them, wasn't there, last night at the Caribbean Catholic Club to celebrate the 25 plus one anniversary mm. of all that. And you you do look at it, you think, brilliantly talented players, but we did play direct football and there's nothing wrong with it. If it works, it works and it can be exciting. And that season was exciting. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the games and... It, it was it was enjoyable to watch that first half of the season. We we basically when when we were against teams we turned the screw, didn't we? When we when we could see the weakness on them, and we'd have a go at them. And obviously against the better teams, it was a bit tougher to do that because they had decent game plans against us generally. But I guess, like I mentioned before, I think by the time we came back after our enforced break in January and February, teams had worked us out a little bit more. I know you say it's obvious how we played, but I think they they'd come up with game plans to deal with us a lot of them. Yeah, there was. I remember there was a couple of games where when you watched it and you thought they've watched us, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. As I said before, as well, Coyote is so key to that. I mean, not just in terms of him winning flick on stuff, but he won free kicks. He'd hold the ball up, defending set pieces. He was vital in that. Fox it, Analytics it, has covered that in a blog, and it's absolutely it does. It does make you wonder why we didn't go out for a target madness summer. That's the thing that puzzled me. That really you know does puzzle I mean, me. We we were talking about yesterday on our WhatsApp about Jamie Proctor, how well he's playing this season. Yeah. A lot of Carlisle goals. fans think he was rubbish when he was here. He had a knock when he was here. He wasn't mm. fully fit. He still scored four and assisted another three or four. You know, yeah, he was a good. He was add, a target man, add, wasn't he? Add that up over a season, you're probably talking ten goals and ten assists from a fully fit player. You know, yeah, which is pretty much what Coyote got. Yeah, when you look at it, really. Um, and he's got a bit more now, so he's a bit older, Proctor, so you yeah, think he'd yeah. be a bit better. But, um, but yes, I, I just think Coyote, not not replacing him is the big issue as much as anything, because he was a massive player to us last season in both boxes. And I think also losing Hayden and Bennett in terms of their effect on set pieces at both ends yeah. as well made a huge difference. When you watch some of the long thrones we're taking now, 
nothing's coming of it. I know we've lost Coyote's throw, but we've also lost Hayden and Bennett in there, causing a bit of chaos as well. And McDonald's the only one, really, sort of doing anything, really. We get a corner and we just don't look as though we're going to score, do we? Yeah, yeah. You don't really want Melish to be the one going for the flick ons. You want him to be in there trying to get on it and actually get the final touch, don't you? Because that's yeah. what he's good at. Just causing up for all, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, Abraham's coming in as well. He, he, I'm not sure what kind of player he is yet. Mm. I'm not, I don't think he's a bad footballer, but he's not one who spends a lot of time pressing players and trying to win the ball back. He's not a. Not a target man in any way, shape or form, really. He doesn't win any massive lot of headers. He's not overly pacey. How he fits into the team, I'm not 100% sure at the moment. I'm not sure whether Beats knew that either. It's one of those ones I wonder if he's looked and think, you know, he's, he's played at a high level before. He can do it at this level. Let's get him in. Rather yeah. than actually having a plan for him. Similar in the way with Clough, really, isn't it? It's... Uh, it's um, this is they're, bo- we- they're, they're both on two-year deals from memory, aren't they? Yeah, Clough and, Clough and Abrams are, so yeah, yeah. whoever comes in, going to have to use them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just we just don't have the personnel to, to play this. And I think Beach has only clicked on in recent games that this is the case, isn't it? Because against um, Forest Green Rovers, apparently we played our lowest number of like long passes in, and I'm sure it was something like two years, something like that, I'm sure that um, Fox Analytics said. And we did play, I mean, you could tell we were trying to play a bit of football. And again, at the weekend, in the first 20 minutes against Pastros, it was the same. We tried to play football. But is Forest Green the team to make that change against? No, I, I, to be honest, the more you look at it, it's probably one of those ones where we should have just sat in, you know, soaked up the pressure a bit and tried to hit them yeah. quickly on the bait with long balls, really. That would have been the ideal way to play that one. But but there you go. So, uh, yeah, some of the sort of key things. Is there anything else you can think of, Dan, where, as to where it went wrong, really? Lack of plan B. Yeah, a lack of plan B. And, and uh, the substitutions, just, they were always mainly like for like. I remember reading an interview somewhere from a, a, a wizened old manager, I can't remember who it was, and they said one of the most difficult things to actually pick up and learn as a manager, you can't learn this from doing your coaching courses, is when to make subs and when to do them right. Yeah, yeah. It's a really tough one because it takes you a while to sort of get to grips with it. I mean, Beach has been a coach as well, an assistant coach for, for years, and he might look at and think, I've put suggestions forward to managers, oh, we need to get this lad on and sub him off. And they've ignored me in the past. So maybe he's thinking, oh, maybe that's why they did that. It's something like that you do wonder, don't you? It's, mm. uh, it's, 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 it's not great. It's, and the, the other thing that, it's things like as well, that he, he's always had a very positive outlook to everything. He's not, he's never been one to call out players, has he? He's never been one to, he's always been focused on the positive and sometimes you've got to front up to when things aren't great. I mean, that comment he came out with the other week, was it, saying we're very close to being a very good team? I mean, we're, we're third bottom in the, of the football yeah, league yeah. right now. Yeah. You, you can't say that. Whether you think that privately, whatever, but you can't say that. as and, and we can sort of be glad that Oldham are a basket case and Scunthorpe are just shit. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 we're incredibly lucky there. But that said, Oldham are only two points behind us. Yeah. And, and, and for all his flaws... Keith Curl can get a team fairly well organised and I would not be amazed if they managed to grub themselves a little bit away from trouble. Mm. And that would worry me. I think Scunthorpe are dead and buried already. I think they, they just look awful. I mean, they must look at that point against us and think that, that's one of, the, one of the best things we've done in ages. But but on the flip side of that, they were probably gutted and never got all three. 
Yeah, yeah. You probably look at that, and that's probably why they're down at the bottom. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, in terms of the stats, Dan, I've got some stats here for you. So, uh, 88 games in charge, calling to transfer marked and soccer base. I've checked them both. Um, 20 of the, 28 of those won, 28 drew, and 32 defeats. His win percentage, 31.8%. And how does that compare to Stephen Presley when he was sacked? Presley was 34.1%. Which is considerably more actually when you look at it now yeah i mean uh, presley was in charge for just just less than half that number of games but i think i think presley lost a bigger percentage you know he Beach did, had yeah. quite a lot more draws yeah but we didn't score many uh, we, we should look up how many goals we scored under both because we haven't scored many under chris beach no we had the, we have had purple patches where we have and then we have long patches yeah. where we don't this this season we scored nine in 11 games and it does feel to me like we've had quite a few nil nils under him Mm. I'm sure we've had a long period where we haven't had nil nils, and I'm sure we've had about four or five under yeah. under beach as well, which is uh, not great. Um, come on, come on, get your favourite stat out. It was on the radio yesterday. My favourite stat. I got it on the radio yesterday. So during beach time in charge, we've gone behind in 35 games. From those matches, we recovered just 11 points, and only once have we won from memory, and that was later on in last season. In so what that's was one, one win and eight draws, essentially. Yeah, and to be honest, that later on in one was just a. A mental game, wasn't it? Yeah, end yeah. to end, end of season, nothing, yeah, to, nothing yeah. riding on it. Both teams just doing very odd stuff. Um, yeah, in comparison, Harrogate this season have got eight points already from positions where they've been behind in games. It's you know, it's not great, not great. No. And that, that if you can't get yourself into a habit of getting back into games, then you know, deep down, back in your head, as soon as you go behind, you think best we can get here probably is a point and even that's going to be a, a struggle and that really started to show towards the end didn't it yeah 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 um fox analytics uh fc on twitter if you don't follow them already we, we talked about them before they put some really interesting stuff up um he he i asked him a few weeks ago didn't i about how do we compare in terms of long balls forward and actually winning those long balls and you know to, to last season i mean when you look at it in terms of, uh, I've got the stat here. So we are one of the teams that plays the most percentage of long balls, but we've got the second lowest aerial drill win percentage this season. And I'm sure we were top last season on both those stats, weren't we? Yeah. Because yeah. Coyote was winning. <laughs> Coyote, so we're, we were certainly up there, weren't we? Coyote was the highest rated, rated forward in terms of winning aerial duels in the division last season. Um. I keep bringing it up, but again, it goes to him leaving. And we, we were critical of Coyote's system because we thought he could be an even better player than he was. He was doing a lot of the basic stuff really well, but he wasn't really taking chances in terms of scoring goals. Was that was one of the biggest problems with him. Um, we were the best side for pressing last season. And we're still quite good now. Sixth best in the division. But the number of shots we're actually getting as a result has dropped from being the best in the division to being 14th. Yeah, that, that's telling it. So we're in the ball back, and we're not actually doing anything with it. What well, what we'll also do will uh, when when we put this out in the morning, it'll be out. It'll yeah. be from Monday morning. You listen to this. We'll uh, we'll put a couple of links up to some of these articles from Fox yeah. that we've uh, discussed because uh, they are a good read. There's a really good one he's done about in terms of defending corners compared yeah, to last yeah. season, and we're not actually doing much different. The problem is the personnel in there aren't capable of doing it in the same way. We had Bennett and Hayden and. Coyote was vital to defending set pieces last season when you look at it. Really, really was. Uh, we've talked about a lot of negatives there, Dan, so I think we should probably 
try and focus on a few of the positives of his reign because it's not all been doom and gloom. Obviously, we look at the last seven or eight months, it has. <laughs> but if we, if, we, if we look at what he's done good, I mean, this was always a bugbear of ours, wasn't it, when Keith Curl was boss, that he had absolutely no interest in the youth side of the team, did he? I mean, you, you, you know this for a fact from speaking to people that he wouldn't even go watch them, would he? No, no. Zero interest. He made a few comments to players at games as well about them not getting in the team, which was bang out of order, to be honest, from what we heard. Um, he's actually shown some faith in it, Beach, hasn't he? He's actually, I know that's basically been, you know, what the club has said they want from him and that he's had to do it in a sense, but he's given those players a chance. Not not maybe as many as some would have hoped, but you've got to understand it. it's his job on the line, isn't it? He's not just going to throw a load of kids in for the sake of it. He's there to win games, so he picks a team he thinks will win games rather than just putting the kids in there. But he's given them games, a lot more games than, than Curl ever did in his five years in charge. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'm slightly against that. There seemed to be a bit of taking the credit for the whole Branthwaite thing. Yeah. St- Stephen Presley takes the credit for that for me. Well, he's the one who spotted straight away. I think he played a reserve or a youth game, didn't he, and said, get that lad signed on a longer contract. Yeah, yeah. And the club did it. So that, that, he definitely deserves a bit of credit for that. I mean, if you actually look at it, I mean, I'm looking here. We, we, we wrapped the lad up in Cotton Wool for his last one for you in case his move fell apart, didn't we? He didn't play. I mean, I know you're funny, but he, he only potentially coached him for six games. I'm looking at this. Yeah. And actually, I think some of those he didn't play in. Yeah. Like I say, he was wrapped up in Cotton Wool. I'm sure he missed a couple of them. So, yeah, yeah it's one of those ones. Maybe he doesn't deserve as much credit there. But to be fair, he, he's, he's done well with our young players and given, you know, he's given Charters a few chances. Again, we might have wanted more, but with the midfield three doing so well, he, he, it was difficult for him to get games, similar with Dixon. Lewis Bell's coming for the odd game here and there as well. and Yeah, he's he's he's, he's done a lot better than other managers, hasn't he, basically? So he, he did, does deserve a bit of a pat on the back for that. Style of play last season, it was exciting to watch. Genuinely, I mean, you think back to like that time when all the lockdowns, you couldn't go to games. One of the things that would give you a lift at the weekend was watching us play, wasn't it? On, on the yeah, Arfalo. definitely. Seeing us score goals and look like we were going to bat. I mean, that. I, I think back to that. I think it was against Crawley away, wasn't it? I think we beat them 3 0. And we were terrific in that game. We really were. And that's one of those ones where you thought, yeah, we've really got a chance here this season. And then when we were allowed to go to games as well, we had that run of like four home games in a row that we got to go to, didn't we, in December? The Stevenage one always stands out to me. Because we just basically we 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 recognised straight away that they were a side that was lacking confidence, not playing good football, struggling, and we yeah. just went for the neck, didn't we? And was like, yeah, we're going to ba- we're not just going to beat these, we're going to crush them basically in this match. Yeah, and again, it's one of those unlucky ones there as well for for Beecham that Tanner got injured in that game in it in injury time for a nothing challenge, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And he missed that bit. I know Armour came and did okay at right back, but you would have preferred beat Tanner to have been fit for the whole time. Wouldn't yeah, you? So, yeah. So yeah, and and actually, I think as well, I think quality of the squad is left behind. I think it, I mean this is not a criticism of Presley in a way because he's resource wise, he, his hands are a bit more tired than than Beaches ever were. I think we've got a better squad than we had back then. I think there's areas I'm, that are weak. I'm I'm going to not disagree, but I'm I'm just pulled up who uh, Presley signed in his his one summer here. Christy Elliott didn't work, but he's now playing Scottish Premiership. Jack Iredale took a bit of settling in, but he's playing in League One now. Harry McCurdy, like him or love him, is a talented footballer. And at the moment, he's on fire for Swindon. Mm. 
he signed John Mellish. He signed Aaron Hayden. Mm. Yes, I know they improved more with Beach. He was maybe more of a coach. But, you know, he did, he, Presley did sign some good players. Geffen Jones was a real pickup. Come on, you've got to mention some of the bad ones as well. <laughs> Ganesh <laughs> Carroll. Yeah. And then, uh, Elias Sorensen, I know that was one of yeah, the yeah. last minute thing. But, but no, I, 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 I'm not criticising Presley in any way. I'm just saying that I feel that the squad is in a better place now for anyone yeah, who comes yeah. in. There are weaknesses in there, though. We can't hide from the fact yeah, that yeah. defensively we look like we need a good centre back in there. We yeah. really do need someone who's going to grab them by the you know the neck and say, "We almost need a Kevin Gray type in there just to say to them, sort yourselves out. You're going to be playing non-league football soon." Yeah, something like that, don't we? And we probably need a target man as well. They're the two key things that actually look to sign in in the window, if possible. Um, so yeah, I mean, before we talk about the the new manager, Dan. Your personal highlight of uh, Beach's time in charge? I'm probably going to say that little period in December 2020 mm. when we got the sudden thing that fans could go off to the Salford game. Mm. Uh, we we beat Salford 2-1 Yeah. midweek, wasn't it? We went yeah. to Bradford, we won. We hammered Stevenich at home. We, we could have put eight or nine on them. Mm. And then we, we also beat uh, Mansfield, didn't we? Yeah, and, the tight game, and it, that was a good game. Right? You know, it was uh, just that couple of weeks when it really clicked. You know, we, we were a little bit unlucky at Forest Green. Then we had uh, the madness of the Bolton game, and then winning at Walsall that whole month sort of thing. You know, that was that was probably mm-hmm. as good as it got. You know, there was no shame in losing to Forest Green and drawing with Bolton, considering they ended up going up. wasn't a bad result, really. I wouldn't disagree with you at all on that, on the, on your opinion on that one. I, I I think you're absolutely right. That month was the real highlight, and I'd yeah. In a weird way, I'd almost want to pick that game against Bolton as being one of the highlights because oh, it was a great that, game of football. The, the, the first half, especially, we collapsed a bit. Second half, and that's when I started to get a bit worried. Obviously, we won the Walsall game after that. Yeah, but the first half, we just they were so rattled. And it's one of those ones where you think, oh, we could have got, a f- I think we had a chance to get a fourth, didn't we? Yeah. If we got yeah. that fourth goal, we would have probably oh, won yeah, that 5-0. Yeah, yeah. And people, Everett probably would have been sacked. Yeah. <laughs> and we would have been saying, yep, this yeah. is the team that's going to win the league. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take that Salford game ahead of Bolton, I think. Yeah. I, it's a close one for me between the Salford and the Stevenage game. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, yeah, for, between those two. You're going to go Salford, I'll go Stevenage. I think Stevenage is one where we thought, yeah, we, are, we can batter anyone on our day in this division. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there you go. That's a bit of a review. Beach's time in charge. I, I'm sure he'll get a coaching job somewhere else. Easy enough. He, he's, he's shown he's a, a a pretty decent coach. Whether it's as a manager, I don't know. As a manager, I think he might have to take a drop down to national league level somewhere. It's one of those ones. If, if the, the Charlie job came up, so I know he lives yeah. that way, and he might fancy it. So, uh, so there we go. So let's move on to the next bit then, Dan. The new manager, who, the man to replace him. Yeah, we're just going to do a bit of an overview here, aren't we? And yeah. We could possibly get another episode out later once it's, mm. you know, we've heard a little bit and the rumours start coming and, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a big decision for the board to make this, isn't it? Because it's, it's not an easy one. It's a huge decision because based on where we are and the state of the club. Where we are, it's still very early days in the season. You've got to be careful, haven't you? We're going to go through some of the types because I think there's about four different types I think of managers that you can go for, and with the first one especially, there's a risk you just get someone in just to get yourself out of trouble, and then you get down the line you think, so right, let's give them a longer deal, 
And then you find actually he's not really suited to getting you where you want to be. He's yeah. good at getting you out of trouble, getting you organised and getting you away from yeah. the bottom. It's the Sam Allardyce effect almost, isn't it? We, great we, firefighter, we, but... We, we've sort of narrowed it down to about four different types here, haven't we? And when, when we finished the quick discussion on them, I put a, a poll out on the message board, mm. Twitter today, and it's, it's quite interesting, the results. Well, I think there's about 48 minutes left of it as we mm. record, but... Mm. Mm. Well... First type, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? An experienced head. Someone basically who's been there, done that, you know, old school. You're talking an Ian Atkins type, aren't you? Ian Atkins is maybe not quite that direct and like that even. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think, just someone basic, basically, will come in, do the job. Sa- Sam Allardyce. Yeah, Sam Allardyce. A, lo- a law league Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Get the basics right, get them well organised, grind our way out of trouble. The risk with that, though, is that once they've done that, where do you go? Yeah, because that's their uh, specialism, isn't it? Yeah, and there's not many experienced heads in that squad either. You've got, I mean, I, I said this to the Bristol Rovers guy the weekend. They had, what was it, eight or nine players over the age of 30. Yeah, yeah. We've got Kevin Mello, who's 30, and Alice Andrews, what, 33? Yeah. Beyond that, we've they're all kids, but a lot, not kids, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're a lot younger. I mean... There's always a risk, you, you basically, with this one, though, that you go for somebody who's failed elsewhere, aren't you? I mean, all managers are going to fail somewhere, aren't they? It's, it, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one, that one. But I think a lot of our fans are keen on this. I'm not as keen on the experience head. I don't think that's necessarily the, the right long... You, you can't just think long-term on this. Uh, sorry, short-term on this, can you? Mm. You've got to think long-term as well. And you've got to look at the squad we've got and say, what's who's going to get the best out of the squad we have? That's as much of a problem, because they're yeah. not going to be able to bring too many players in in January, are they? What do you think? Next up, this is the one that always uh, splits opinions, really, doesn't it? It gets the emotions going, I think is the right word. gets the emotions going in both senses for people who are really keen on this idea, and people who absolutely hate it and say, why are you only going for those people? You wouldn't go for them if they weren't connected to the club, which gives it away. Basically, a former player or a former coach. I, so I'm, you... Well, the first ones that immediately come to mind are probably Danny Granger, Peter Murphy, Michael Bridges' name always pops up. Yeah, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about a few names once we've done the, the, the four yeah, things, but yeah. they're the three obvious ones that that are being mentioned. Out there's a couple more that I think are a little bit more interesting, actually, in terms of them. Um, that's a choice that might be popular with fans, but it, it often means going for someone with a lot less experience, doesn't it? I mean, the right name is going to get the backing of the fans and it probably buys the board a little bit more time. Someone who probably understands the club a bit better than others might. Yeah, yeah. It's... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of these people who just poo-poos and say, no, why are we going for that? We wouldn't... I think there's, there's, there's merit in that. I think it really can work. Merit. It can work with the right one, but it's yeah. getting the right one. It's getting the right one and I think there's merit in But the thing is... Yeah. Getting the right one with any manager is an issue. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah. not just that, is it? You've, whoever you go for, it's a risk. It doesn't, doesn't really matter who the manager you know, is. There's, there's only one team can win the league and there's only four go up, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah. Um, everyone can't get it right. An extra category I put in here that maybe other people might not have thought of in this way, because if we're being realistic, we're probably not going to poach a manager from League One or League Two. I no. don't think it's likely. But we could always go to a non-league club, because a smaller non-league club might look at manager and say, we can't really be demanding a... a like 200 grand fee for you to take our manager offers. They're ambitious. They want to go to a higher level. Yeah. So yeah, look, someone who's been, you know, 
working their way up as a non-league manager and had some success. I mean, you can argue Granger's sort of done that a little bit, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you sort of mean sort of National League, maybe National League North level, don't you? Yeah, yeah, those kind of people have done yeah. a good job there. Well, we could actually afford to poach them from that club basis. There's a few names potentially there that we'll, we'll look at. Um, and, and the final one, it, basically similar to Beach himself, a first-time or an unexpected name. Mm-hmm. That, that's, I mean, this has happened a couple of times now, actually, isn't it? In fact, the last, well, yeah, the last two managers have been people who came out of nowhere, really. They weren't listed in the odds or anything, well, were they? The last three, Sheridan was out of nowhere as well, Sheridan really. was out of nowhere, but he was an experienced head in a sense, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He's very much have been there, done I mean, would yeah. you have Sheridan back now? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> He'd get them sorted out. Okay, he wouldn't take any rubbish, would he? <laughs> Probably chin half of them in training first. Chin half of them, and then about five weeks later, saying I want to leave now. Yeah, yeah. I hate being a manager. Yeah, no one's putting you through it, John. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would counter on that though with Beach, though. That I know as much as he was a first-time manager, he'd been a coach for fifteen years and an assistant coach as well for a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a bit of a different one to say. It's not like he's someone who's only retired a few years ago and he's just coming into management now. He finished, what, 2005, was it, something like that, I think? Yeah, yeah. I think he was coaching the youth team at Rochdale when we played them, I think, when we... So we're we're facing you basically looking at your number twos, aren't you? Your number twos or, you, or your someone under who's... Under 23s. Under 23s, someone who's done a bit of coaching here and there, maybe yeah. youth level, international youth level and things like that. Yeah. I mean, the obvious one you look at recently, Rob Edwards has slotted in seamlessly for a screen, hasn't he? Yeah. And by all accounts, Mark Cooper is very old school. They and Spe- speaking of under twenty threes, David Unsworth's name always seems to appear when our jobs up, doesn't it? Yeah, people with fresh ideas implement something on what's quite a young squad. Is that, that he, could be a key at, thing. Uh, he's at Everton, isn't he? Is, he? Yeah, and, uh, to be fair, he's not a name I put down here, but he's one. I, you're right. I completely forgot about him, but he's one who I'm sure he applied when was it when Presley got the job? I think. Possibly, he, he yeah. definitely applied in one of the last two, I think, and I definitely think he got the interview stage. I'd heard he was very impressive, but they just decided not to go for him. And yeah. you do wonder if he might go in for it again, possibly if he fancies yeah. the, the chance. And yeah, just right. So, so they're, they're, they're the four types. Yes. Obviously, we didn't put the non-league option. Which yeah. do you think has walked the boat? I think the experienced one's probably gone for it. Seventy-six percent. I think people, I've, you know, my problem with that is I think too many of our fans are panicking. They're yeah, panicking yeah. and saying, we need to get someone to get us out of trouble. Your problem is then, come five or six months' time, you're out of trouble, and then, then you go on a bad run of form. So you have yeah. to sack them off again anyway to, to, find, to find someone else. And I, I think you've got to be more, fo- you've got to be more forward thinking as a club than yeah. doing that. For my uh, fan fan favourite got 13 and up and coming's on 11. And there's, there's about 40 odd minutes left on that. Well, so it's I mean, not really going to change much. No, it's not. I mean, when you look at that, you think to yourself, in terms of other clubs in our division, how many of them, when they go for the experienced heads, you know, to try and get them out of trouble, how often does it actually work? I'm not convinced it actually works as often as you think. I mean, no. that'd be funny when Newport were down at the bottom. What did they do? When they sacked off Wesley, I think it was, when they were struggling in the bottom of uh, League 2? They went for an upcoming coach. They went for their former player, Mike Flynn. Yeah. His first management job. And he'd look at the job he did over the last few years. I mean, I've listed the names here, Dan. Let's, well, let's just talk through a few of them. We're not going to go into too much detail because me and Mike might do that on uh, on the Tramier preview episode. I mean, you mentioned that. I mean, the former player ones there. I mean, they're obvious. I mean, I've, I've listed, have I listed five, uh, five former players? Yeah, yeah. So, 
we'll touch on Danny Granger in a second. I think he's one we can go to a little bit more depth on. Michael Bridges, I, I think we should poo-poo that one now. I'm not being harsh yet. He's not been a coach at any level in England yet. And it'd be a hell of a lot to ask him to uproot his family over here for what is, you know, it's a tough job <laughs> to get us away from the bottom at the moment. I'm not, I just don't think that one would work. I think... On the, on the flip side, it would get the fans on side and it would bring crowds back. It would, it would. But and you just never know, it could work. It could. But is that a short-term boost? What happens if he comes over and actually turns out he's no good? People are like, why don't you go for an experienced head? That's that's the problem with that one. Um, Peter Murphy, I mean, I, I've not watched him at his team at Annan. I know you and um, Matt, who obviously helped run the message board with us, are both going to watch Annan a bit. And by all accounts, he's doing an all right job there, isn't he? Yeah, he does all right. It's, uh... it's tough, though, for Annan, isn't it? Because they're up yeah, against some full-time Scottish, clubs. At that level, aren't Scott, they? Scottish League 2 isn't the prettiest of leagues, to be no, polite. No, It's very industrial. But he's, he's he's done all right there. You know, he's steady there. And the problem is for them as well is they're up against, you know, your Cove Rangers and your Edinburgh Cities and whatnot. Kelty Hearts. Kelty Hearts. Yeah. The teams that are basically, some of them are full-time, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's that's where he, he has the big challenge there. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's, I, I don't think he's a ridiculous suggestion. He's done his few years there now and... Like I said, he'll get the club. He will get the club. He lives locally. It's not going to be an issue for him. I don't want to be one of them to say we're just going for him because he's locally, but, you know, it, it helps. Zigo Aronaldo, I, I just don't think he'd be interested. He, he's coaching at a higher level. I don't think he's really going to... Yeah. He, the, he's only linked because he's a former player. I think he'd probably yeah, look at things. Yeah. That's not worth the hassle for me. I'll go where... Was it Kiko Sancho Flores he was assistant to? It, yeah, yeah. Thing? He'll just go wherever he goes next. He was, yeah. he was assistant at Valencia until recently. Yeah. Okay, uh, the, the, the final two. So obviously we'll touch Danny Granger in a minute. In fact, let's, let's do Danny Granger now because we'll do the next one in a, in a sec. But Danny Granger, I don't think this is a ridiculous su- suggestion at all. He's he's clearly going to want the job someday. He's done his bit of work. And he, I know people will say, oh, you know, he had a very good squad at working for that level. It's not easy for working to that level, you know, because unlike, you know, your clubs in Manchester, Merseyside and Yorkshire and Lancashire, they don't have many clubs around that they can pick off players from. Do they? Yeah, yeah. Working to basically rely on our cast-offs, a few local players, and occasionally picking up one or two from... Well, they were picking up players from Morecambe in the past, but I think Lancaster have started to pick a few more of them again. So it, it's, it, it's, it's, not as, it's not as stupid as it sounds, you know? And he's, he's gone and done his, his bit up in Scotland now as assistant manager. I know he's only been there a few months, but I, I wouldn't... I, you know what? I think it's one... I think it'd probably get fans on side as much as Bridges would. I mean, Bridges is a bit more glamorous, but I think fans would be more just as excited if Granger got the job. I think they'd be like, yeah, he's actually done a bit of management. He'll have a good knowledge of the Scottish leagues now. He'll build up a bit of knowledge there. He might know of some players in non-leagues who can come up as well and, and do a bit. And he gets the club. And he won't take any crap from those players either. You can guarantee that. Mm. Would you be against it or...? He'd slot in well with Gav Skelton as well, obviously, wouldn't he? I mean, that's the, a lot of people say, oh, you need to bomb Gav Skelton out. I mean, wait and see what the manager wants. The manager yeah, might say, actually, yeah. I'm happy to stick work with Gav Skelton. I, 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 I like having Gav there because he's he's local and he gets it. Yeah, even if he just if he's just first-team coach or something like that. Yeah, yeah. First-team coach and sort of almost development coach, linking the, the players. Because yeah, we're yeah. clearly going to... We're almost working towards having an under-23 set-up, aren't we, here? Similar to what... Your clubs like Colchester and Scunthorpe have at this level. 
that seems to be the way we're edging over a, a slow, slow, gradual way mm. work towards it, aren't we? But we seem to be working towards that. And maybe that would be a way you could work. The final one of these sort of former player ones that I've got here, and I, I think this is a really interesting one. Paul Thurwell. I mean, he's he's done his bit now, hasn't he? He's, he's gone off to Harrogate. He started, I think, coaching the youth team there, didn't he, I think, and as a player coach. He's worked about to be first team coach, and now he's assistant manager. He's got he's helped them get them up the league. I know they've had a bit of money behind them, but they haven't had Salford levels of money, have they? When they're in I think I think the level. one thing I would put against this is him and uh, what's Harrogate manager called Simon again? Weaver. Simon Weaver. The the very settled, more than most management teams. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know Weaver's dad owns the club and that, but. Also, Furwell lives down that way. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. he lives at Harrogate or Weatherby or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So it, it'd be a bit of a difficult one for him to move because then he'd be a bit more away from home. And but if he's ambitious, because they're they're playing well as well. Yeah, and, and if he's ambitious, though, you might fancy it. And you know, there's a documentary about um, about Harrogate uh, that was on BT Sport. I don't know if you saw that, Dan. Yeah, I've seen uh, it. Yeah, yeah, it's it, good. It's really good, and I think Furwell comes across very well in that. From what I watched. He seems to do a lot of the coaching there, doesn't he? He seems to yeah, be very yeah. much focusing on that, whereas Weaver's almost like an old-school manager, isn't he? He's very much the... You but know, then that brings up the question, is he more of a, a Chris Beach and a coach and a manager? Maybe, maybe, but he he might have ambitions to step up to that. I'm sure other people have done that. I think Weaver started out as a coach there, didn't he? And then I think he's got the management job eventually. So, yeah, it's... I think of the of the former player ones. They're the two that look the obvious ones to put forward potentially. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Clint Hill as well, but he's gone for the coaching job at Hartlepool now, hasn't he? So whether he'd actually be interested in bad timing, it is, isn't it? It's typical that. And I think if you were going to look at actually to poach managers at our level, Challoner at Hartlepool wouldn't have been a bad shout. But he signed a new yeah. deal, didn't he, quite recently? So. There you go. Some of the others, I mean, looking at managers who've left jobs in recent years, I mean, John McGreal's quite high on the betting, but I think that's more because he left Swindon fairly recently, isn't yeah, it? I think. It's, it's, it's usual names on the list, yeah. isn't it? Tisdale, again, is similar because he's been a manager at this level fairly recently. Yeah. And I mean, what I'd say is, I mean, McGreal, yes, he's from Liverpool originally, but he's lived down south for about a decade now, hasn't he? So whether yeah. he'd want to uproot all the way up to Cumbria, I've, I'm not convinced. Tisdale, again, he's never really moved away from the south, has he? And, he, he's, he's fairly settled on there. I'm, 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 I'm just flicking through all the names that are up on the Bet Victor with the first to go with prices. Yeah. And I mean, it's just the usuals. Yeah, the they, they, they have a standard template. I would never read Possibly. too much into it. Yeah. But I mean, these are some names that probably will be coming. Mike Flynn, again, I, I don't think he'd move this far north. I think he's very settled in South Wales. I think he's probably looking at, as I said before, he's looking at a club down in the southwest or the Midlands, maybe. He's yeah. He'll look at and think. He's maybe jobs. thinking Bristol Rovers could still go tits up or something. Could or... do. Might even look at Walsall and see, you know, that's yeah. only up the road. And yeah. Matty Taylor's struggling a little bit there. So uh, some of the names, uh, I know a lot of people laugh at this one, but Saul Campbell, I'm sure he'll put his, his name in, in the ring. And yeah, he's, you know what? He, he, he's had an okay record as a manager. It's not the most ridiculous suggestion you'll ever hear, but I'm not convinced he'll get it. Um, should we just get? Should we just appoint Lee Clark and get it over and done with? Yeah, it's been it's been waiting to happen for years. Give him the job, let him have a go, see how it goes. Gary Caldwell. There's worse people. Yeah, he's, he's he he was at Pat, uh, Partick Thistle last, wasn't he? 
I think he had a tough sort of time there, if I remember. I think Wigan's the only club where he's actually done any well as a manager when you look at it. I think his time at Chesterfield was a disaster, so I do wonder. I think he did apply for the job last time as well, possibly, because I seem yeah. to remember. He was, he, he's, he's still young as well, he's only 39. Mm. I mean, Sam Ricketts left Shrewsbury last season. I know from my mate Dale, who spots Shrewsbury, he did not do a good job there, though. So, mm. I mean, he did a good job. I think he did an okay job at Wrexham before that, though. Mm. But, I mean, a few people have mentioned Keith Hill. I don't, I don't think Keith Hill will go for it. I don't yeah. think he'd be t- too loyal to his mate, Chris Beach. And to yeah. be honest, he's not been that well thought of in his last two jobs, has he, at Tranmere and Bolton? Yeah. I know he got Tranmere to playoffs last season, but they they weren't in great form <laughs> going into them. And they got rid of him, didn't they? Um, and a few sort of former players who've showed interest in management jobs before and maybe potentially could be ones to look at. Nicky Butt obviously left the academy role at Man United fairly recently, didn't he? Uh, the only issue with him is obviously he part owns Salford City, so that'd be a bit awkward, wouldn't mm. it? <laughs> I guess he'd have to give up his uh, shares to potentially take on the job. Um, Robbie Fowler done a bit of coaching in Australia, hasn't he? And yeah. he did a bit in India. I'm sure. I'm again. I think he's one who's applied for jobs in the past. And I think Craig Bellamy's quite well thought of as a coach, isn't he? I think. Has someone not just happened with Bellamy in the last couple of weeks? Possibly, I don't know. I mean, I saw him I'm listing sure, it on I'm the sure, I'm sure he's just lift, listed his... I'm sure he's just left somewhere. Possibly, then, maybe. Or he's know. got something happening, which means he's taken a step back. I think, actually, you know what? I think that rings a bell now. And elect under-21s he was at. Ah, well, I mean, he might be one of those ones, though, because he's abroad. Yeah. He's just not settled abroad and he wants to come home, potentially. But, yeah. I mean, he'd, be, he'd, he'd, he'd certainly take no rubbish in the dressing room, it's fair to say. But, I mean, golf clubs. Yeah. And one name I didn't actually put on the list here, Dan, but he's one that really interests me. Um, Pete Wilder, Halifax. Mental, sorry, mental health issues. That's what it was with yes. Craig Bellamy. Yes. So he's, yes. he's probably having a, a bit of a, a chill-out type thing. Yeah, possibly. Possibly he's all right. But, yeah, Pete Wilder, Halifax. He's mm. one that really interests me because... He came at Oldham as thought he was a youth coach and a fan, wasn't he, effectively? club? I and mean, he did a good yeah. job there. Obviously, they're a basket case, and like any manager, he left them. But he's done all right at Halifax, hasn't he? He even got them promoted, didn't he, and done a my, decent job there? My, my one from non-league, I'm going to say Mike Williamson at Gateshead. Hmm. Former centre-back. I think he's still officially player-manager, but he doesn't play much. Bring Kedwin Scott but, back over with him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. He scored again yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, the, and the, the lad who's in charge at Dagenham is doing a pretty good job there, isn't he? But why isn't Roy Keane on the list? <laughs> hey, well, well, his daughter went to college up here, didn't she? In, yeah, in so, Carlisle Centre. Yeah. might. And it, it's it's in, it's an interesting long list. Yeah. I would not be hundred percent amazed if it's someone that comes out of nowhere again. Because yeah. we've seen that so put, many times. Put this way, the applications are already in at Carlisle United. Yeah, what I would say is though. The standard of applicant we get could be better because any manager who does a bit... My, my mate Ian actually mentioned this to me. I should give him credit. And he, I think it was his brother mentioned to him and, he, and he's absolutely bang on. Any manager worth their salt who does their due diligence will take one look and go, there's a club where there's unresolved ownership issues and investment issues there. They're sort of pottering along, not really doing much. You've got a, a director of football who's just basically a... A patsy sitting there for the person who uh, owes money to the club. You've had two managers come in, in fact, three managers, I give, knock at anywhere really near the playoffs in the last few years. It's, I know there's always going to be managers interested, but any manager worth his look might go, not really worth the hassle, that one for me. Yeah. Uh, That's what worries me. I think if we know, if I, if the, if the ownership thing just got sorted and it just needs to, 
you might find the managers suddenly go, actually, that's an interesting proposition there now. Even if they're not going to say, oh, we're not going to throw money at it, but we're going to be stable now. I, I just think that that, that that skin is going to hold us back a little bit. Let's see what rumours start coming out through the week. Yeah, that, that's the key. Thing. The names will start getting thrown out uh, all over the shop, won't they? We've had them in the past. Was it Frank Burroughs got mentioned a few years ago, which was yeah. a mental yeah, one that came Glenn, out of nowhere? Glenn, Glenn Roder got backed heavily. and he was, <laughs> I don't think he was ever even in for it. No, no. It's one of those ones, isn't it? You never read too much into the bookies odds because they fluctuate yeah. quite a lot. I know from last time, there was a couple of times where I got told, oh, someone's, someone's in for it because the odds are high. I said, well, did you put some money on them? Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's why the odds have got high. Because <laughs> people keep putting... Mo- low, you mean low. Got low, sorry, sorry, yeah, low, sorry, yeah. low, sorry. Other way around. But yeah, basically, it's essentially, as soon as you have three or four people putting 20 quid on one manager, they it's not worth the risk for the bookies, is it? Their I, liabilities... I, 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 too I, still, I still can't... can't, can't rem- well, when Keith Curl was at Shrewsbury the oh, night before right. and he was still 20 to 1. And we filled our boots. Well, we got thirty-three to one. Both of us didn't we? On that, but you, yeah. you get sixty-six on him, actually. No, I've I got oh. thirty-three twenties, and oh, just fill your boots. Yeah, well, I seem to remember Gary Waddock actually was. There was two bit. It was two people down for the job, wasn't it? I think it was Curl yeah, and Waddock, yeah. and Waddock was still sixty-six to one. I think at yeah. that point, wasn't he? So either way, <laughs> you were going to make a fortune, weren't you? But, uh, but yeah, there you go. So that's it, Dan. That's. Uh, mm. It, it's, it's never a nice thing when a manager loses his job and he seems a fairly decent bloke and wish him all the best and, you know, hope things work out for him in the future. Yeah, I think, I think, I think he'll end up as a number two with Keith Hill somewhere eventually. Possibly, yeah, if he, if he can't get himself his own management job. But yeah, but yeah it, it's a, there's a big opportunity for someone there, I think. I really do think yeah, there is. Yeah. It's just what we need. We just need to sort out the... Uh... And like we say, I mean, it, the process will probably take a couple of weeks. We'll get the applications this week. Yeah. Then you do your shortlist, you do your initial interviews, maybe half a dozen. Yeah. Then they'll cut it to two or three. So we'll we'll probably be able to get, maybe have another little episode regarding what's happening with it, you know, depending how long it takes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at that, we've got, how many games we've got in the next few weeks? Something like We've got, definitely got a Tuesday night game, haven't we? So, yeah, we've got Newport. We've got Tranmere, Newport and Oldham next yeah. few games, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So you wonder if it might be by the end of the month, possibly so after, the, after that Oldham game, maybe maybe just yeah, before it. Yeah, we'll have FA Cup soon as well, won't we? Yes, we'll have that. Be, is it next weekend if the uh, the next round is? I think it I is. I think so, yeah. Usually three weeks before the, uh, the first round day, anyway. Well, that's it, Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm just sorry, looking. Sorry. We've got we've got Tranmere, Newport, Oldham, and then we have the New, Northampton away on the Saturday. Yes, that's then the FA Cup, then Barrow at home. So it's going to be the first league game. Ta- could be Barrow. Timing could be key here, couldn't it? Yeah, I think we need to get someone in. You know, the, the last thing you want is to appoint a new manager after say Northampton have a tricky FA Cup game away at uh, yeah. yeah, you know, Stockport or someone and yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's it then, Dan. It's gonna lasted a little bit longer than we thought it would actually. Yeah, yeah. We, we thought we were going to do about half an hour, didn't we? We've probably uh, done nearly an hour. We have indeed. We have indeed. We need to work on that. I think. Yeah. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back later in the week to uh, to do a, a normal episode with me and Mike covering that one as usual. Um, you, you can find us at all the, the usual places: Acast, Google Podcast, yeah. Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We've um, we've got a little thing coming soon. Actually, it's a little support thing where you can just. Make a little donation. We're not asking for any money. We're not demanding. We're happy to keep doing as we are. 
but it really would help with some of our running costs, wouldn't it, Dan? I think yeah, to, yeah. if you can chuck us a couple of quid uh, our way, we'll we'll stick that up on the social media sometime this week. But uh, yeah. but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, hopefully, good times are coming again. Uh, thanks for running up the blues. Up the blues. Yeah.